Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. We've had 35 resurrections of the dead. The closer they are to freshly dead, the easier they are to resurrect. So I see this giant angel and I asked him his name. It's a financial company and I realized this angel is here for our finances. And that's a true literal story, by the way. These people are charlatans and it's about time we draw a line in the sand and stop fraternizing with the wolves. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Israel and Hamas, not the only two people groups at war. This is Wretched Radio as we watch missiles being lobbed, babies being beheaded in the Middle East. We would do well to recognize exactly what that skirmish is, because whilst it is a land war, Paul told the Ephesians, it's a spiritual battle. And so it is what we are seeing in the Middle East. Yep, it's a land war, but it is most certainly contrary to what President George W. Bush said. It is a religious war. You'll recall after September 11th, our president, who apparently didn't take the time to read a history book on the religion of Islam, proclaimed it's a religion of peace. Historically, it is most certainly not. It is a bellicose religion, and they have been waging war against everybody in their region for centuries. When did this skirmish begin? Let me suggest to you, it goes back to Abraham's time. Do you recall the story of Abraham and Sarah? Supposed to have a baby together. Sarah got a little impatient, gave Abraham her maidservant, Hagar, he gets pregnant with the bondservant, and they bear a son whose name is Ishmael. And in Genesis chapter 16, the angel of the Lord appears to Hagar, who's a little bit bummed out because uh, life looks a little bit bleak at the moment. And this is what the angel of the Lord says, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you'll call his name Ishmael. The Lord has heard your affliction. He, Ishmael, shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. You say, what does that have to do with Islam and Judaism and Christianity? Well, if you would ask a good Muslim, they would tell you that the heir of promise is not Isaac. It is Ishmael, the descendants of Ishmael are the Arabic people. Please note, not every Arab is a Muslim. The majority are, and the Muslims who are Arabic would point to Ishmael as their great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, not Isaac. And so in the Middle East, you see a people group, the Jews, who would say, oh no, the son of the promise, it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. Not so in Islam. They would say that it's Abraham, Ishmael, the Arabic people, and the religion of Islam. And this description by the angel of the Lord in Genesis 16 has been playing itself out now for centuries. Furthermore, Islam is determined to wipe out Israel. Since 1948, they have been making an intense effort to get Jewish people out of a territory they believe is theirs, which, of course, was originally the Jewish people's, but we seem to forget that part of history. Nevertheless, this is yet another assault 
by Islam, the sons of Ishmael, against the sons of Isaac. In other words, it's a religious war. Furthermore, don't forget, it is Islam's intention to subjugate the entire world underneath the Prophet Muhammad to bring in their understanding of eschatological events. It is a religious war. And I would suggest to you, we're having one of those right here in the good old U.S. of A. And you say, wait a second, nobody's nobody's bombing America. You're right. Not at the moment. But I would still make the case that we are experiencing the same type of war here in the States as they are in the Middle East because it, too, is a spiritual war. It is a battle that is taking place between religions. And you say, who are we talking about here? Evangelicals and some sort of like the Hindus? No. I would suggest to you we are seeing a religious war between Christianity and everything else everything else, whether it's secularism, whether it is a religious system. But for the sake of simplification and an understanding of history, are we seeing a war between Christianity and paganism? You say paganism? Well, that doesn't seem to be that overt. Well, hold on, let's do a little history lesson and go back in time and recognize that Western civilization prior to the ascendancy of Christianity was pagan. The gods. Now, by the way, please note, all earthly sort of gods, these are earthbound characters for the most part. They were not transcendent deities. They were earthly. Nevertheless, they were worshipped for centuries, and it was Christianity that ultimately pervaded the darkness, brought in the light, and pushed paganism, for the most part, out. Not totally, but for the most part. And what we are seeing right now is not a progression. The progressives would tell you, oh, we are progressing. No, we're not. We're regressing. To what? Paganism. Let me share with you a quote from 1939, T.S. Eliot. He was delivering some lectures, and he said that we are at a fork in the road. 1939, we're at a fork in the road where Western civilization will either be, don't like to use this word, uh, um, I was going to say dominated, but that has some <laughs> militaristic language. It'll either be basically informed by Christianity or paganism. Now, that was 1939. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called Pilgrim's Regress. You know Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote Pilgrim's Regress. John, the protagonist, finds himself in Escropolis. It's a Greek word that means ugly city, where the boys look like girls and the girls look... When was this written? Was it the 50s this was written? The boys look like girls and girls look like boys, and everyone acts obscenely in their avant-garde rejection of Puritanism. Scandalized by what he encounters, John objects only to be shouted down by one of the residents, we have got over humanitarianism and prudery. In other words... We have done away with Christianity. This has been predicted now for a long time. Western civilization at a fork in the road. It does appear that that fork is splitting. And one of the times is Christianity. 
The other one is paganism. Let me take you back further in time. This is from an article, First Things, Louise Perry. The headline of her article, we are repaganizing. (laughs) By the way, this woman isn't a professing Christian, nor is she pro-life. Nevertheless, she's a fair enough historian to recognize, whoa, we're, we're going back. We're becoming pagans again. A poem from a Scottish poet. He said they'd found a brothel on the dig he did last night. I asked him how they know. He sighed, a pit of baby's bones. A pit of newborn baby's bones was how to spot a brothel. While that is a more recent poem, it is talking about a time when paganism ran rampant. And this was just one of the signs of paganism, that women and children were abused. That really is one of the starkest signs of a great nation or not. How does a nation treat its women and children? Hmm, how do Christians treat women and children? Now, I know the feminists would bellyache, oh, pregnant in the kitchen. Okay, that caricature aside. Now, take a look at how women are treated in China. Why is it that there's, I think we're at 54% male, 46% women. Oh, yeah, abortions. Why? Because women are not esteemed as valued or valuable as men. India, the Middle East, Islam, A sign of a great nation is how they treat their women and children. Archaeological excavations of ancient Roman sites. This is from an archaeologist. First, you find the erotic statuary. And then you dig a bit more and you find the male infant skeletons. That's fascinating. Male because the males were of no use to the keepers of Roman brothels. Whereas the female infants born to prostituted women were raised into prostitution themselves. And we're returning to that. It's called abortion. And it is seen rampant in America. Now, interestingly, did you know that most of the abortions that take place in abortuaries around the country, um, one day they're not going to dig up babies' bones because they simply put them into the trash and burn them with other medical waste. Women being utilized, being sexualized, children being murdered and butchered. What we're seeing right now in the United States is a spiritual war. There is a battle. It is between light and darkness. It is between Christianity and paganism. And the only way to win this battle is spiritually by propagating what results in more Christians, the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92 
1,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. I was very unsure of what I was doing when I came in. And by the end of the appointment, Rosemary had talked to me. She had actually prayed with me because she had asked me, like, do you know about Jesus? Because I was telling her, I don't feel like God's going to forgive me for this one. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound and Preborn Ministries uses good equipment, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, well, October is here. That means pumpkin spice everything, everywhere you look. <laughs> Plus, that also means football season is in full swing. Oh, and of course, the Devil's Day is coming up. That's right, Halloween is coming up. And I don't have to tell you that Sugar Hype Kids are going to be coming knocking on your door, whether you like it or not. So you better be prepared. We've got a way to help you send them soaring higher than any cavity-induced candy you could ever give them. I'm talking about giving them gospel booklets from Wretched. You can give them the treat of all treats this Halloween, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't have to skip the candy if you don't want to. No, you don't have to. You can actually include it with the gospel booklets, but gospel booklets are on sale right now in the Wretched store as low as 99 cents per booklet. Now through the 25th. And you'll want to order by the 25th, so you'll have them in time for the Devil's Day. That's Halloween. Get them before they're gone at wretched.org. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Know your reformers. Martin Luther was a German monk and professor who was plagued with doubt about his salvation. When he finally read the Bible for himself, he rediscovered the doctrine of justification by grace through faith. His bold witness for biblical truth was the spark that ignited the Protestant Reformation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Sickly, unattractive, and unwanted infants were exposed to death. This is Wretched Radio. Let me take you on more than a three-hour tour, but we'll condense it for the sake of radio. A tour of paganism in Western civilization. This is from a really thoughtful article, We Are Repaganizing by Louise Perry. Among the ancient Greeks, 
and Roman sickly, unattractive, or unwanted infants were exposed or otherwise eliminated. The Chinese and Hindus of India have, since time immemorial, destroyed daughters at birth to open the way for a new pregnancy and a more desirable male offspring. The Japanese likened infanticide to thinning the rice plants in their paddies. Among foragers, such as the Inuit or the Javaro, unwanted babies were left to nature to claim. What changed this treatment of women and children? The answer is Christianity on the one hand, death and demoralizing the raping and pillaging of women from the pagan system. Enter Christianity. It was the arrival of Christianity that disrupted the Romans' favored methods of keeping reproduction in check with laws against infanticide and then abortion. Imposed by Christian emperors from the late 4th century, Christians have always been unusually vehement in their disapproval of the killing of infants, whether born or unborn, and their legal regime prevailed until the mid-20th century. Let me take you to the Didache. You say, what is the Didache? It is one of the earliest books that we have. It is not considered a canon of Scripture. It did not make the cut, but the Didache is probably esteemed the most useful book of apocryphal literature. It's basically like a catechism of the early church, and it describes in detail the morals, values, and the ecclesiology, the religious practices of the early church. Didache 1 through 2, you shall not use potions, you shall not procure an abortion, nor destroy a newborn child. Well, there you have it. Here's a letter to Diognetus, an early Christian apologetic, something about the second century. That's early. They marry like everyone else and they beget children, but they do not cast out their offspring. They share their board with each other, but not their marriage bed. Who are they? It is, of course, the Christians, which turned Western pagan civilization upside down. Did it happen overnight? Of course not. It's not the way that history works. It did take centuries. Nevertheless, we have seen a a system that has dominated Western thought for 2,000 years, give or take, give or take, that has produced more good than at any other time in human history. But as Christianity continues to wane, It appears that we aren't progressing into a new, higher-minded religious system. No, we're returning to paganism. We're going back. We're not moving forward. Back to Louise. Paganism lingered on both in the countryside and in enclaves like Athens for decades, even centuries. Paganism, now this is the ascendancy of Christianity. Paganism is getting pushed out, but it didn't disappear. Paganism endured as a powerful, evocative, shaping force in the historical memory and imagination of the West. It persisted both in a positive form, wistful memories, just trying to relive the good old days, the beauty and freedom that had supposedly been lost with the suppression of paganism. What had been lost? Well, promiscuous sex, letting your babies die or just outright killing them via infanticide, 
Oh, they were kind of sad. That's the positive side. More negative form of a lingering anger or resentment toward the force that had supposedly defeated and suppressed it, namely Christianity. That was a war that was waged centuries ago. But the two sides have not laid down their arms. And paganism is indeed increasingly the mindset that Western civilization seems determined to return to. Why? Because they're at war with themselves. When, when you consider the message of paganism these days, in its current manifestation, it is all about the self, self, me, 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 doing whatever I want to do, living however I want without somebody putting moralistic shackles on me to keep me from being the real self that I actually am. And Christianity that says God chose the foolish things of this world, chose the weak. He didn't, didn't choose the, the rich predominantly. There are certainly rich people who are saved, but that wasn't his modus operandi. God loves humble. God loves an individual who lays down his or her life for somebody else, not willing to kill somebody else so that they can live their life any way that they want to. Back to the article, most cultures glorify warriors and kings, not those at the bottom of the heap, but Christianity flips that. Uh, that's the heart of our theology. God shows the weak things of this world to shame the strong is a baffling and alarming claim to anyone from a society untouched by the strangeness of the Jesus movement. Well, then, that's what is happening in our society today. It's not just postmodernism, which is all about the self. It is because it is set against Christianity's understanding that we don't live for ourselves. We live for others. Well, we, we don't do anything necessary so that we can find fulfillment and happiness. No, we've already got that box checked because of Jesus Christ. Now we go about the business of dying for others. We can see that this is a spiritual war, can't we? What Kyle Harper has described as the first sexual revolution emerged in a slave society in which Roman men, now so this the first sexual revolution was Christianity. <laughs> we have a tendency to think the 60s, where promiscuity was the point. That was the prize of the sexual revolution, not the first one. The first sexual revolution, and it was the first sexual revolution. You could probably even argue that the books of Moses, the laws of Moses, were the first sexual revolution. The rest of Middle Eastern society uh, did not view monogamy and intimacy the same way that Moses did, but it was ultimately Christians who really started to shine a light into a very perverse darkness. It was the first sexual revolution. It emerged in a slave society in which Roman men enjoyed unrestricted access to the bodies of their social inferiors, including children, and murdered infants were understood as an acceptable consequence of the need for frequent male pleasure. The violation of slaves and other low-born people, see how this is said against Christianity? Other low-born people was simply beyond the field of vision for ancient thinkers. 
all legal systems in the pagan first century, including the Roman one, have some concept of rape as forbidden sexual violation. But rape is normally a crime that can be committed against only some categories of women. Typically, only those with male kin are inclined to object to the offense and able to punish the perpetrator. So you you could commit rape, but not against somebody of this particular status. That, that's paganism. Christianity comes along and says, no, 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 no. It, it's not to whom they're related. It is not the human being's socioeconomic status. Mm-mm. It's that they're an image bearer of Almighty God. And therefore, we do not hurt them. The moral innovation of Christianity was to reconceptualize rape as a moral wrong done to the woman herself, regardless of her status. Paul's prohibition against pornaya, any illicit sexual activity, including prostitution, upended an ethical system in which male access to the female body was unquestioned and unquestionable. Whereas the Romans regarded male chastity as profoundly unhealthy, Christians prized it and insisted on it. Early converts were disproportionately female. Interesting. Because the Christian valorization of weakness offered obvious benefits to the weaker sex, who could for the first time demand sexual continence of men. As we go about the business of watching the war in the Middle East, yep, it's a land war. But more than that, it's a religious war. And as we go about the business in the West of thinking that these are mere political skirmishes, they're not. These are religious wars. These are battles in the heavenly realms between spiritual forces. And those forces, I think the case could be fairly made, have two sides. You've got Christianity on the one, paganism on the other. How did the Christian sexual revolution win in the first century? (laughs) By making more Christians. There's a hint for us. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start in Wisconsin where there is outrage from parents who are up in arms over new gender ideology curriculum that's being pushed on their children, children as young as eight years old. Fourth graders in the select school districts are being taught that gender exists on a spectrum and that they can choose their own gender identity. The lessons are actually instructing children that there are unlimited genders beyond just male and female. One of the outraged parents comes that schools have no business indoctrinating kids with radical gender theory at such a young age. Yeah, I agree with that one, but I might take that a step further and say that schools have no business indoctrinating kids with radical gender theory at any age. Well, meanwhile, in California, the disastrous effects of a new prostitution law continue to emerge. After decriminalizing the sex trade in the name of empowerment, some cities like Oakland now have open-air sex markets operating 24-7. 
Communities are seeing a major uptick in violence, exploitation, and sex trafficking since the law took effect. Public health risks are also surging due to the uncontrolled spread of STDs. I don't know how no one saw that one coming. Oh my goodness. Pandora's box. Well, I don't know if Pandora's box has been open because I think that was open a long time ago in California. And in the Middle East, Hamas once again showed its true evil colors. According to Israeli intelligence reports, Hamas officials explicitly instructed their operatives to, quote, kill as many Israeli civilians as possible during recent rocket strikes. The terrorists were told to focus attacks on schools in particular. Dozens of children have been murdered as Hamas rains down indiscriminate rocket barrages on Israeli neighborhoods. The international community has to unite to unequivocally condemn Hamas for these horrific war crimes that are targeting innocent civilians and children. Shifting to national news, a new Marist poll finds that 60% of Americans oppose President Biden's proposed mandate, which would force employers to fund abortion coverage in their health plans. Most voters believe government overreach in this area is unacceptable. That's on both sides of the aisle. The majority of Americans don't want their hard-earned dollars actually paying for these procedures. No matter whether they think it should be legal or not, they don't think they should be footing the bill for it. Speaking of which, potential 2024 presidential candidate Nikki Haley stated last week that she believes there's room for national laws restricting abortion. Haley commented that many European nations limit elective abortion to the first 15 weeks and that such a standard in the U.S. could find a consensus. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 732 AD. At the Battle of Tours, Charles Martel turns back the Muslim invasion of Europe. As Islam decimated the church in North Africa and the Middle East, Europe became the new center of Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Paganism, it's alive and well at Harvard. The pagans are acting like pagans again. This is Wretched Radio across the nation. We're seeing university protests. What are the kids protesting? The beheading of babies? No, silly rabbit. They're protesting Israel. Harvard, perhaps, leading the way. 31 student organizations protesting Israel. Not the people who cut off the heads of infants. No, no, no. We're protesting the people who were attacked. No announcement. Just out of the blue, an invasion of their land. How many Jewish people were executed and murdered? Hostages? Infanticide? And yet we're seeing on university campuses the indoctrination centers. It shouldn't shock us, frankly, that the students are supporting the terrorists. Why? Because what we are seeing in our country is a it's a reflection of the war that is happening in the Middle East because it's a religious war. It is a spiritual war. And we're seeing that played out in a particular sect of our society. And that sect happens to be the sect of babies. Let me take you to Canada. Uh, this is from Louise Perry. 
As Canada slips down its slippery slope, the legalization of infanticide is being discussed quite calmly within its government. In October, a fellow from the Quebec College of Physicians told the Special Joint Committee on Medical Assistance in Dying. (laughs) Medical assistance. We used to call that murder. Now it's medical assistance in dying. I wonder if some gangbanger is going to give that a try. Oh, your honor, please murder. That's that's so uncultured. I was assisting him in dying medically. My my medicine bullets. What's the problem here? Well, said the judge, the problem is you haven't spent 12 years at university and you don't have a license to kill people. We leave that up to medical professionals, not gangbangers. Dismissed medical assistance in dying. This fellow said that parents should be able to arrange the deaths of babies up to one year old who are deemed to have very grave and severe syndromes. That's fascinating, isn't it? I can't recall what article I was reading. Maybe it was the very same one. Peter Sanger, he's he's the fellow who will flat out say, hey, newborns, they can be up to a year. We should be able to take their life. And his argument, as best I can paraphrase it, was it's because this child isn't aware of the future. This child really can't have a desire to live. Oh, really? (laughs) Babies don't have a desire to live. Try to take away their nook. Don't feed them. They're going to let you know about their desire to live. Nevertheless, he somehow rationalizes it should be okay because what makes a human a human is their understanding of their surroundings. And if an infant doesn't get that there's a life in front of them, what they might accomplish and enjoy, well, then it's okay for the parents to murder them. I'm sorry, to medically assist in their death. At least he's saying it out loud. The talk of infanticide, and quite honestly, to a, I know the terms have meanings, but abortion, what else is it really? If infanticide is again legalized, it used to be the pagans loved it, first in Canada, and then inevitably across the de-Christianized world, we will know for sure that Christianity has retreated to the catacombs and the date will come to be seen as a bright historical line. Well, I, I, I would say a dark historical line, but that most certainly would be a sign, wouldn't it? That's the direction of Canada, which is actually ahead of America when it comes to being de-Christianized. The legal status, I'm back to Louise Perry, the legal status of abortion is at the center of the contemporary culture war because it represents the bleeding edge of de-Christianization. Uh, I I would say so does the sexual, so does the marriage. Remember, Christianity really redefined marriage for for the West. Monogamy between a man and a woman, equal standing before God, equal rights. Really? That was crazy. That's what the pagans thought. And yet Christianity advanced. So did the biblical concept of marriage. As far as sexuality, you'll recall the history of sexuality. The nation that was starkly different than its surrounding territories was Israel, a man and a woman in a covenant relationship. 
Not a man and a boy, a man and a slave, a man and a weak woman who doesn't have enough status to say no. Judaism was starkly different and Christianity even more so. All forms of sexual immorality, that act, a gift from God, should be done in the context of marriage. And that's why I would say, yes, the life issue, definitely cutting edge. But so is the sexuality issue. Uh, So is the gender issue. Will we be male and female or something? Whose idea really is male and female? Well, it's pretty obvious, frankly. But that's a biblical concept. Pinks and blues. Exceptions don't make the rule. Exceptions prove the rule. When pro-life and pro-choice advocates fight about the nitty-gritty of abortion policy, what they're really fighting about is whether our society ought to remain Christian. Another article, same subject. This was written by John Daniel Davidson over at The Federalist. The people who cheer the beheading of babies are, of course, those who also cheer the slaughter of babies in the womb. They're like Islam itself, post-Christian. And their morality, the pagans, like the morality of Hamas, is decidedly pagan. I'm so glad that people are using these terms because we are seeing paganism grow and flex its muscle. But we need to remember, paganism, it isn't just grass skirts and boiled human skulls. It, it, it can be more sophisticated than that. Paganism can and does go on in the halls of power. When legislation is made that demoral, dehumanizes women and children, that's paganism. Now, this article, again, is from John Daniel Davidson. That means they do not believe in universal human rights or inherent human dignity. They do not believe in the Christian doctrine of Imago Dei and the moral imperatives that flow from it. They do not believe in objective morality or truth. They reject the Christian precepts that constitute the basis for Western civilization. And so when we hear terms like Western civilization is coming down, think Christianity. It's that they're after Christ. That's who they're after. That's what's really going on here. And that's so instructive for us, as we'll hear in just a moment. If you want a little sarcasm, here it comes for you. These are the same people who insist that words are violence. <laughs> they want to be able to kill babies. They, they, they cheer the Hamas beheadings. But words are violence and debates and free speech. They must be suppressed because of the harm they cause to vulnerable and marginalized people. If you say a man cannot marry a woman, you're fired. You lose everything. If you say we must not castrate and mutilate children in the name of gender ideology, then they want your own kids to be taken from you. Confronted by the wholesale slaughter of women and children, the decapitation of babies by armed men, eh, a shrug and a meme. They don't care about violence as such. They simply want to be the ones to wield it. Oof. Oof. Do not think these people are just confused or ignorant. They are pagans, writes Davidson. They are 
pagans. And like the Hamas terrorists whom they champion, they cannot be reasoned with or accommodated. If it is obvious that Israel and Hamas cannot coexist, it is equally obvious that these two worlds, the Christian and the pagan, also cannot coexist. Will be one thing or will be the other. Now, I don't think I agree with his inferred solution to the problem. Nevertheless, I agree with his observation. And if you agree, uh, then, then we're brought back full circle. What's the solution? Now, you could argue historically um, that Constantine showed us the way by legalizing Christianity and then ultimately a few decades later making Christianity the religion of the West. Is that what God is after? People who profess his name but blaspheme it by not loving him and serving him rightly? Or are we supposed to be doing what Jesus said when he told us to go and make disciples, make the most of every opportunity? If, if we don't like paganism, there's a solution. Pagans get converted to Christianity. Jimmy, if I were a Ben Shapiro-like host, I tell people to go to wretched.org slash sale to get themselves copies of Don't Stub Your Toe to hand out to the little pagans when they come to your door on that pagan holiday. <laughs> but I wouldn't do that at wretched.org slash sale. No, you wouldn't. But maybe sharing the gospel would be a good idea. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today and to our ongoing monthly gospel partners. You're the foundation. You're the heartbeat of this mission. You stand firm with us, and it's not just a commitment, but it is a testament to your faith and dedication to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of people all over the world. And if you haven't yet quite made the leap to joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider doing so? No gimmicks, no punchlines, no hard sales here. I'm, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just giving you an honest-to-goodness invitation to be part of a mission that is changing lives all over the world. As we stand firm together, unwavering in this purpose, united in this mission, we are able to make a difference for eternity. Wretched.org slash donate is where you can find any answers to any questions you might ever possibly have on what it would look like to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa 
And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. The book of Daniel is about one man who submits to God above all else and God's faithfulness to his people in all circumstances. Daniel's prophetic visions teach us that God raises up and tears down kingdoms. All earthly kingdoms will pass away, but God will establish an everlasting kingdom. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Just in case you're not convinced we're in a spiritual war... This is Wretched Radio. You know what that is, don't you, Jimmy? What is it? Four articles that indicate this is a spiritual war. The spiritual darkness behind Gen Z's mental health crisis. This was in the Christian Post. We've all heard the statistics. They're everywhere that kids are struggling more than ever. It shouldn't surprise us that fewer kids are Christian. Fewer kids are growing up in Christian homes. Fewer kids are being brushed by Christianity in any way, shape, or form. They're purposeless, they're lonely, they're afraid, and they're anxious. And we call it mental health. The Bible says most times, on occasion, it can be a physical issue. It can be a genuine brain issue. But it's a spiritual issue from the article. It's no coincidence the number of Gen Zers interested in reading the Bible and the amount struggling with feelings of hopelessness and despair seem to parallel each other almost perfectly. Hmm. Hmm. We don't have to wait, do we? I find it kind of amusing when people say, well, just wait until this generation that are hooked on their cell phones grows up. We've already seen that generation grow up, haven't we? They have been influenced more by social media. They've been influenced more by Taylor Swift than they have Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder they're depressed? No, that that doesn't give us license to write a write a really horrific article comparing Taylor Swift to Christianity. <laughs> we'll tackle that another time. But it does help us to understand why our kids are so depressed. Taylor Swift ain't going to make anybody happy for long, and she'll never give them abiding joy, never provide a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is a fast, just such a great article from Sarah Prentice. She concludes, as a member of Generation Z who once searched earnestly through many kinds of secular solutions, therapists, self-help books, new age practices, crystals, trying to alleviate feelings of hopelessness and despair. Nothing compared to the healing I found in Jesus Christ. Upon coming to know Jesus, those feelings of hopelessness and despair dissipated as I developed a personal devotional life dedicated to prayer and Bible study. 
well, we don't want to make the kids do that. Yeah. And the consequences, this, this young lady, anecdotal, but there's millions of these anecdotes that make a pretty powerful case. Kids need truth. They need the Bible. They, they, don't, they don't need whipped cream games in youth group. They need something more. They want something more, she writes. It is now hard for me to even remember the times when I felt so distraught. I wasn't mentally ill like so much of my culture was telling me. I just needed God. That is the battle that we're in. And I can't help but think of all of the silly centers that are they're engaging in the battle with feather dusters. Hey, want to learn how to manage your money? Hey, want to learn how to save for retirement? I'm going to glance by a verse in Deuteronomy and spend the rest of the time coming up with life hacks I gleaned on the internet courtesy of AI. And people are struggling. People need more. And 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 it's and it's and it's not it's 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 everything in our culture these days. Have you seen the prices of groceries? If you've been to the store, you most certainly have. Mrs. Friel went to the grocery store yesterday. Now, I grant you, our fridge, it was bare. I grant you, she stocked up on frozen meals for us to have at lunchtime, <laughs> courtesy of the microwave. I grant you that. But when she got home and I opened up the boot, that would be the trunk if you're European. That was a hundred and ninety-one to a hundred and ninety-one. There are two of us. We don't even have a dog anymore. I'm sorry, I brought up a painful subject. Till the okay, better. A hundred and ninety-one dollars. Yeah, we've got lunches for like two weeks. Okay. Yeah, we needed some staples in the house. Yes. $191 for two people. And there were those flimsy plastic bags that apparently is saving the planet. One plastic bag at a time. I think there were eight bags. And they, they, you know, they've got like three items in there. Nothing. Life is hard right now. Financially and spiritually, the social media, the garbage that is being Bilged, I don't know if that's actually a verb, bilged through the internet and on the Netflix. Yikes. Or sign of spiritual war number two, L.A. elementary schools. Now, see if you catch this in the headline. L.A. elementary schools to celebrate National Coming Out Day with a week of LGBTQ plus lessons. Did you catch that? It's National Coming Out Day with a week of LGBTQ lessons. Kids as young as five are learning this nonsense. Nonsense. The toolkit includes an identity map activity, <laughs> preparing students to think critically about identity and intersectionality. That's what a five-year-old needs. Then you say, I wonder what these kids are going to grow up to be like. They've already grown up. Hence the first story of the slew of articles that indicate we're in such a spiritual battle here. And people are living in such dark places. They, they, these kids have been taught this for a long time. This didn't just happen. To, these materials didn't get printed up last Wednesday. Preparing students to think about identity and intersectionality, teachers are encouraged to have students create an image 
representing their identity that includes features like their race, ethnicity, um, same thing, gender identity, religion, sexuality, and mental health. They're getting that for a week because it's LGBTQ National Coming Out Day. <laughs> hey, don't think we're in a spiritual battle. UK, that would be United Kingdom. If you don't watch the PBS, wait, wait, uh, BritBox, that's what it's called. Pornography driving UK teens toward child abuse material. Where, where does pornography take you? Darker and darker and darker and darker places. And by the way, if you're on that road and you're thinking, well, no, I just have one foot on that road. Not according to Psalm 1. Both of your feet are firmly planted and you're walking down a road of depravity and it's going to get darker and darker. Speaking of darker, oh, please, sorry, barely a segue here, but that's never stopped us before. Please go listen to Milton Vincent. Was listening to... You want to do a gospel call out that doesn't sound like, and if you're here today and if you've never believed in Jesus, go listen to Milton Vincent preaching on John 13, I believe it's 18 through 30, when Jesus was betrayed, that, 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 that Jesus was fully in control. The, the title of the sermon was, Why Three Reasons Jesus is Worthy of Our Faith on the cusp of his death. A little lengthy, but provocative. And and, and it showed that Jesus was in control. The disciples had no idea it was Judas Iscariot. Jesus did. Did Judas go about the business of carrying out his plan? Not until Jesus said, go, leave. You have no part here anymore. He was fully in command, and he's worthy of our worship. And then came the, the, the last five, seven minutes of the sermon. In a stroke of literary genius, John says, and Judas went out, and it was night. And Judas went out into the dark night of his soul, the darkest night ever. And then came, if you will, the altar call. Perhaps. Perhaps you're walking out that door. Jesus made every attempt to woo Judas back by giving him a seat of honor, by feeding him a delicious morsel, treating him as an intimate, knowing that he was going to be betrayed. And Judas chose the darkness. Don't choose the darkness. Choose the light. Jesus even now is calling you Come to the Savior who is good, who who makes enemies his friends. And if you think that your night is too dark, you're too lost because you have entered into child abuse material and pornography. You run to Jesus because he's mighty to save, because he's worthy of our faith. And he proved it by being totally in control of the events on the night of his execution. What a... Brilliant bunch of right. You want to you want to learn how to do a gospel call better? Go listen to Milton Vince Vincent deliver that. And might I echo it even now? If you're currently in the dark and you think there's no light available to you, look at Jesus loving his enemies. 
and promising his enemies he will make them friends. If you're in the darkness, he bids you come into the light, surrender, lay down your arms and your self-righteousness, repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ, and he will make you a friend today. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>